KFI AM 640. It's the Bill Carroll Show. Wayne Resnick in for Bill for one more hour. Then Monique Marvez will take over in for Gary and Shannon. Um, I wish this stuff didn't keep happening, but there was a Taliban suicide car bomber attack in Afghanistan, uh, and they went after a French restaurant that's popular with foreigners in Kabul. Two people dead, 15 wounded, the building left engulfed in flames. There's an emergency hospital that are that are that is run uh, by the Italians, and they reported that one of the fatalities was a 12-year-old boy who was declared dead on arrival at the hospital. And this comes one day after the government of Afghanistan announced four-way talks in Pakistan uh, is supposed to start on the 11th of this month. You know, they're trying to negotiate peace with the Taliban. And this this is always going to be the way it is when one side at, at least has to try to be beca- to behave with decorum and the other side does not. So that happened right after the terror scare in Munich, you know, luckily didn't pan out with an actual attack. And then this happened. Our president is more concerned, perhaps, with uh, Americans getting guns. And tomorrow, I'm sorry, scratch that, Monday, he's going to have a meeting with the attorney general and they're going to finalize a bunch of executive actions regarding guns, and then they will unveil them to the country next week. Some of these ideas are not that radical. They're not that harsh. Um, They make some sense. He has been very frustrated that Congress won't, in his opinion, do anything uh, to try to tighten up access to guns. And so, you know, this president has been not, I don't know if this president has done more executive orders than previous presidents, but I know that this president has been very vocal about, hey, I'm doing executive orders. Look at me. He's been he's been definitely the number one president in history for playing the Congress won't do what's right. I'm going to do as much as I can with an executive order card. So. Some of these things, you know what, if you oppose some of these ideas if and if you can separate out from the ideas who's behind them, if you oppose the idea, I, I think you really maybe should take a moment to look at yourself in the mirror and figure out why, why you would get so upset about, for example... One of the executive orders is he's, he's trying to deal with what some people call a loophole in the law where we all assume when you buy a gun, you go through a background check. And the federal laws say anyone who's engaged in the business of dealing firearms needs to have a federal license and therefore has to conduct a background check. But if you're someone who makes occasional sales, exchanges, or purchases of firearms for the enhancement of a personal collection or for a hobby, or if you're selling some or all of your personal collection of guns, you 
are not engaged in the business of selling guns. You don't need a federal license, and you don't have to conduct a background check. And this is one of the things the president wants to address. And look, I'm not saying if you have a gun and you just want to sell it to somebody that, you know, you should have to go through the entire rigmarole of becoming a federally licensed firearms dealer or what have you. But I do think maybe you shouldn't just be able to, like, post a flyer on a utility pole that you've got, you know, a Sig P220 for sale and then sell it to whoever the hell calls you. And I know that uh, in California, I don't, I don't think you're even supposed to do that. I think that you're supposed to do the sale through. Basically, you go to a gun store, and the guy goes to a gun store, and they handle the paperwork and, and make sure that it's cool. Because if you don't believe that anytime anybody sells a gun to anybody else that there ought to be a background check, then I would assume you don't believe there should ever be a background check. Because why would it be different? Why would it be? Why would you think, oh, if you go into a gun store to buy a gun, there should be a background check. But if you just go to somebody's garage to buy a gun from them, there doesn't need to be one. That's completely inconsistent. And I would I would respect more a person who said there should never be a background check. I wouldn't agree with you, but at least I would express I would uh, respect the intellectual consistency there. Um, but a lot of people really have this like, yeah, if you're a gun store, background checks, but we don't want to have to have background checks, which to me seems like the point is we want there to be a way to get a gun without having to have a background check. And why? Why would you want there to be a way? Because you want somebody who otherwise couldn't get one, I assume. And I hear you already. I already hear you. San Bernardino shooters, they themselves didn't get a gun without a background check. They did it a different way, which is they had their buddy go buy the guns. Well, that's a, but that's a separate problem. That's like saying because we have drunk drivers... We uh, shouldn't bother having airbag rules for cars or seatbelt laws. Well, somebody could just be a straw buyer for a gun. So what's the point of having background checks? I I don't think uh, that it works that way. That's one of the things that he's going to do. We're not totally sure the other things that he's going to do. And I think one of the reasons is they don't want to announce it in advance because the purpose of the meeting Monday is to take... One more look to make sure they want to be able to say all of these executive orders are fully within his powers as the president. This isn't going to stop the NRA from suing over it, just like he did the executive order about the immigration stuff, and then the states sued him. And guess what? The states are basically winning all of those lawsuits against the president for his immigration orders. And it's possible you could see the same thing happen here. He issues a bunch of executive orders on guns. He is sued, the administration is sued, and they end up winning everything. But he is definitely going to try to do whatever he thinks that he can do about it. So that's going to happen. It's been a very good year for uh, a young man named, I may not say it correctly, so forgive me, 
uh, Akhtarer Zaman. Maybe the name isn't ringing a bell, but what he did, you may remember, and it's a pretty cool story. We'll get into that coming up here on the Bill Carroll Show, KFI AM 640. But it takes someone to come around to show you how she's the terror in my heart. I'm alive, she's the terror in my heart. I'm on fire, she's the terror in my heart. Take me higher than I've ever been. In my heart. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll Show. Wayne Resnick sitting in till 1. Hey, some people agree with me that Sam Rubin sounds like Rand Paul. So let's do this comparison, okay? You still have the uh, Sam Rubin ad that runs on KFI right now? Let us hear a little bit of that again, please. Hi, I'm Sam Rubin. You know me from television and radio, but I'm also a small business owner. And I know firsthand the cash flow challenges that business owners face on a daily basis. We all need a little help from time to time. All right, here's Rand Paul. You know, I don't think it's Hillary's fault that her husband was had serial infidelities. I do think, though, that there is some uh-huh. question that has to do with the law. The law is pretty specific on how... Sam Rubin again, please. Hi, I'm Sam Rubin. You know me from television and radio, but I'm also a small business owner. And I know firsthand the cash flow challenges that business owners face on a daily basis. I think if you have an intern and you have a much older man who is their superior. By your bank for a business loan but need cash now, you need to call Sign on the Line. I think most people in any corporation in America would be fired. So I think... What Bill has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and has helped thousands of business owners with fast help from any major corporation in the country. And so I think that's a legitimate discussion, but I don't think it's Hillary's fault that she's married to a man that does this. But it- Indistinguishable, in my humble opinion. Amy King, have I convinced you now? Mm-mm. Oh. Really? You convinced me. Thank you, sir. It's, I, I don't know if I thought Rand was more Southern than that or just did not realize how Southern Sam sounded. Mm-hmm. But they're pretty close. Thank you very Is much. Is Sam from the South? I don't know. Hmm. You're the news anchor. You find out. All right, I'll get back to you. Thank you. Uh, hey, there was some skywriting at the Rose Parade. Yeah, did you see that? Yeah. America is great. Trump is disgusting. We still don't know who's behind this skywriting. Um, somebody who saw it tweeted that she saw a link written in the sky to a site called anybodybuttrump.us. And if you go to that site, oh, this we can do right now. She says it's the same language. Anybodybuttrump.us. Oh, yeah. Right on the right on the the headline, the headline, that's not the right phrase. The the logo, whatever on their website in two different places on the main page of anybody but Trump dot US, it says Trump. Oh, wait a minute. It says America is great. Trump is disgusting. And that's what they wrote on the uh, America is great. Trump is disgusting. So they, they must be behind it. And basically, they don't like Trump. And there's a link uh, to donate. Guess where they're located? Hmm. Los Angeles? Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Really? Yeah. Well, that was a long flight. Trump loves to hate. (laughs) 
His racial overtones and inflammatory comments against women, blacks, Latinos, and others, and others not important enough to merit being mentioned specifically, (laughs) are not to be tolerated. We have to work together to prevent Donald Trump from getting into the Oval Office. So So give them money so they can sky right above the Rose Parade. I don't know. That whole message sounds kind of hateful. Their message? Yeah. Against Trump? Yeah. When they're accusing him of being hateful, it's kind of hateful of them to say Trump's disgusting. I am starting a website, anybodybutanybodybuttrump.com. I like it. And I'm raising money to help shut down anybodybuttrump.com. How about that? Go for it. Then somebody can get mad at me and start anybodybutanybodybuttanybodybuttrump.com. And it can go on and on and on forever. It's really good. Hey, let's talk about this kid. Because he's, even though he's 23, you know, that's still a kid. Wait, but before you do that. Yes, ma'am. Sam Rubin, born in San Diego. Oh, that's really weird then. Well, then why does he sound eerily similar to Rand Paul, who's from Kentucky? And I know that the main answer would be because they don't sound eerily similar. I understand. <laughs> I understand. know me too well already. <laughs> I understand that's the most popular answer, but still, for those of us who hear the similarity, it really begs the question, why would a guy born in San Diego and a guy from Kentucky sound so eerily similar? We'll have to get a, uh, hey, Daisy, can we try to book a, this would have to be a, um, sociologist, otolaryngologist for oh. the show. A what? Otolaryngologist. What is that? That's a ear, nose, and throat specialist. Oh, yeah. But we need one who specializes in like regional sociology of otolaryngology to come on and talk about why a guy could be from San Diego and a guy could be from Kentucky and they sound the same. You got it. Can you get that guy on the on the phone before one o'clock? <laughs> um, Just say that you can. Yes, yes, I can. Nobody, definitely. Nobody's going to be waiting around to hear okay. the regional sociologically <laughs> based otolaryngologist. Come on. Ah, let's talk about this kid already. Akhtar Zaman. I was informed by producer Daisy, and she did the research that even though his name is spelled A K T A R E R. If you go to his own website, he says, when you're pronouncing my name, just ignore the last syllable. So it's just Akhtar. Uh, Zaman, and he started skiplagged.com, which you've heard about this year. This is a website that allows you to save a lot of money on your plane tickets by taking advantage of what they call hidden city ticketing, meaning you want you want to go from L.A. to New York. But it's actually cheaper to book a flight that goes from L.A. to New York and then goes to, let's say, Orlando. But then you just stay in New York. You don't take the second leg of the flight. Ah, uh, sneaky. Now, the airlines are totally against this, and if they find out that you've done this, you will be in trouble. Not You won't be, like, arrested, but it'll be bad news for you because it's forbidden. They're not allowed to do it. And that's why when he started this website to help people book this way, he was immediately sued by United Airlines and Orbitz. But guess what? Orbitz dropped out of the lawsuit. And then 
the lawsuit by United was thrown out of court. It was just a jurisdictional problem. But after the federal judge in Chicago threw it out and said, look, the, the skiplag.com guy, he's not in my jurisdiction. United said, ah, we're just, we'll, we'll just forget about it. And so skiplag.com continues to live. In fact, they've gone from 250,000 visitors a day to a million visitors a day. And sometimes this kid works seven days a week, uh, you know, to, to service the website because that's how popular it is. And airlines, if you don't like this, then why don't you figure out a more sensible way of pricing airline tickets so that it's not cheaper? It's not cheaper to actually fly more. Doesn't it cost them more to take you from L.A. to New York and then to Orlando than it would for them to just take you from L.A. to New York? So why should it be cheaper? I know they have their reasons. I know they have their intricacies that I don't understand. But yet, if you don't want people to game your system, why don't you make your system make more sense? All right, when we come back, could 2016 be the year that you start to do your banking at the post office I'll explain why it could be and why it might be a great idea. It's Wayne Resnick here in for Bill Carroll on KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll Show. Wayne Resnick sitting in till one. Then Monique Marvez will be in for Gary and Shannon. Mo Kelly for John and Ken. Mark Thompson for Tim Conway Jr. The schedule returns to normal tomorrow. There's a big push to get the Postal Service back into the banking game. Who is behind this big push? Consumer advocates, financial reform groups, postal labor unions. That's not surprising. And uh, what the L.A. Times calls some leading liberals, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. And they say that um, if you allowed the post office to offer some services like paycheck cashing, bill payment, maybe there'd be free ATMs in there. It would help people who are struggling in this economy because... A lot of people, you have to go to a check cashing service and they take a pretty big percentage. You have a lot of these auto title loans, uh, short-term payday loans. People, Some people don't like those because um, it can get very expensive. And I will say this, uh, the economic indicators are not that exciting right now. The Dow has closed its worst year since 2008. Dow was down 2.2%, S&P 500 down 0.7%. The NASDAQ was up. The NASDAQ was up 5.7%. But guess what? That still stinks because last year and the year before that and the year before that, the NASDAQ gained double digits. So even though it gained, it didn't gain like it uh, has been. And jobless Claims rose to the highest level since July. Now, jobless numbers are always tricky because you have to look at, did you adjust for seasonal variation? Did you not? A lot of times the numbers that are reported end up being revised significantly. So 
that, I mean, we can take with a bit of a grain of salt, I guess, but it still doesn't seem we're like we're in a true, sustained, robust recovery in our economy. So back to the idea that there's still a lot of people in this country who live paycheck to paycheck, and uh, there are people who believe they shouldn't have to go to an expensive check-cashing place or get an expensive auto title loan. And what if the post office got into the business of providing these basic banking services? It's not the craziest idea that ever happened because, you know what? The Postal Service was in the banking business for several decades. Up until, really, the late 60s. Do you know that you could have a savings account through the post office? I did not know that. You could do that. After the big financial panic in the early 1900s, it was like a no-frills postal bank. But then here's what happened. The commercial banks expanded, and they offered higher interest rates. And so people said, I'm not going to put my money in the post office bank for 2% a year when uh, this bank is offering me 5 or 6 or whatever. And so the postal banking thing kind of faded away. It became outdated. But now, with the economy the way it is, the idea is they should get back into the business. And, of course, the Inspector General's Office for the Post Office loves this idea because they think it could be up to $9 billion a year in uh, in revenue for the postal agency, which, as we know, has to doesn't get any taxpayer money. Ever since 1971, the post office has to make its own money. That, and that's why they're in the hole like crazy, because postal service is treated completely unfairly in this country. On the one hand, they, they must make their own money. They must support themselves entirely from their own business, yet they are also required to completely prefund their, their retirement benefits. So they've had to borrow a lot of money. And they're in the hole all the time. And then, you know, they took a big beating starting in around 2007 with the rise of the Internet and the rise of UPS and FedEx, you know, and and their business actually went down. And even today, there's a lot of countries where the post offices are also banks, Britain, France, China, Japan. Here we had it from 1911 to 1967. And it might get some people who don't have bank accounts right now to have one. There was a survey by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said there's over 10 million households in this country where nobody has a bank account. There's another like 30 million households where somebody has a bank account, but they still use these alternative services like payday loans. So I think it's a great idea, especially if if we're going to expect the Postal Service to support themselves without any taxpayer money. But we're also going to put requirements on them, like prefund all your retirement benefits, which guess what? Guess who else 100% prefunds all of their anticipated pension benefits? 
Nobody. Nobody. They're the only agency in this country that has to do that. So I'm all for it. And here's one last thing. I like the Postal Service. I think they do a good job. I'm kind of surprised that um, they haven't gotten that they haven't gotten more of the market share of package delivery because priority mail from the post office sounds like I'm doing an ad now. But priority mail is a relatively affordable and very, very reliable way to get stuff sent in two to three days all over this country. And if you don't agree with me right now that the Postal Service is swell, you're in the vast minority. Recent Pew Research Center poll, the Postal Service is our most popular federal agency. 84% of Americans have a positive view of the post office. That's because it's the only branch of the government that actually gives you something. Maybe so. They bring stuff to you. So who doesn't like the post office? So let them do it. Let them be a bank. They would be much more tightly regulated and limited in what they would be doing than all of these private commercial banks that are um, back to their old shenanigans that led to the last big uh, crisis. And they're doing all the same stuff again. And the Postal Service would be like a sensible, sane alternative. So, But the problem is they're totally controlled by Congress, what they can do, what they can't do, and what they're required to do. Well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe 2016 will be the year that we all get to open up a little savings account in the post office. All right, when we come back, um, you know, Mark Thompson mentioned this last night about how uh, they're going to have medical marijuana in New York that's certified kosher. <laughs> And it's kind of a dumb thing. And I'll I'll explain why there's no such thing. There's no such thing as kosher marijuana. There isn't. But it's not entirely ridiculous. And uh, then if we have some time, I love these little um, pseudoscientific stories. How you and your partner sleep could say something about your relationship. We'll find out if we agree. It's KFI AM 640. You know it's fine. I go, oh, maybe the reason for It's the Bill Carroll Show. Wayne Resnick finishing up here. Monique Marvez will be in here in a few minutes. In for Gary and Shannon. And then you'll have Mo Kelly for John and Ken. Mark Thompson for Tim Conway Jr. Tomorrow, schedule returns to normal. And uh, I will see you. No, I won't. That's a lie. But I will be with you uh, Sunday, my normal time slot, 8 to 10 p.m. And uh, now is the time, so we don't run out of time to say I want to thank everybody here. Some of the people I want to thank aren't here right now. Uh, But, you know, a lot of holiday fill-in and a lot of people coming in over the holidays to really uh, help me do this show. More than help me do this show. Basically make it possible for me to get through uh, the show every day. Um, But today, I will specifically thank Amy King over there in the KFI newsroom. 
Dan Blake on the board. You're a good guy. My pleasure, sir. And Daisy, my regular producer and producing over the holidays. And Trevor, who produced for me, who was wonderful. And um, Terry Anzer, who did news. And I know I'm forgetting somebody. So, And it's not an award speech anyway. So how about this? How about shut up, Wayne, and tell them about how there's no such thing as kosher marijuana. But there is the story, and I know Mark Thompson brought it up last night. Uh, there's a story from Newsweek about how in New York State they will soon have kosher-certified medical marijuana. And uh, there's no such thing as kosher marijuana. Or the other way around, really, really, I think it's that marijuana is just kosher. See, there's some things that are just kosher without you having to do anything to them. In other words... They're totally cool. But medical marijuana comes in many forms. You have the plant material. You have edibles. You also have, uh, sometimes it comes in capsules. And so what does make sense is that you would have the rabbis go in there and kosher certify all of the ingredients that are being used in whatever manufactured marijuana products. And I'm thinking specifically the capsules because one of the most common ingredients in in capsules is gelatin, right? It's an animal product. So I can totally see how if you're going to sell medical marijuana in capsule form and and you want to be able to say that it's kosher, you're really saying the capsule that it comes in is kosher. But nonetheless, that's the only way that you're going to get an observant Jewish person uh, to buy your medical marijuana. Let's finish up with this. From the independent UK, how you and your partner sleep could say something about your relationship. Let's see if we agree. If you sleep back to back with no touching... You are connected and secure in yourself. And this actually shows the closeness and independence of your relationship. See, I would have thought they would say, oh, if you sleep back to back with no touching, that means it's it's over. No, that's apparently a very, very strong indicator of a good relationship, at least according to relationship psychologist Corinne Sweet. If you sleep all like entwined That means you're still in the honeymoon phase. There's only about 2% of couples who sleep that way. But it's very romantic and intimate. But it shows a lack of independence from each other. If you sleep generally touching each other, you're happy in your relationship. Research was done at the University of Hertfordshire. 94% of couples whose bodies touched at least some while they're sleeping were happy in their relationship. If you sleep all like spread out, all spread eagle on the bed, taking up all that space, that's the sign that maybe you got a problem in the relationship because It's the signal of a dominating relationship where somebody is dominating the other person emotionally and it's reflected in dominating the bed space at night. Uh, This is an unusual sleeping position. It's not as unusual as being all tangled up, 
but sleeping facing each other, but not touching. It's only 3% of couples sleep that way. And they and, and this same um, therapist, Corinne Sweet, says, this is an indicator of an emotionally demanding relationship, that there's a need for intimacy, but it's not really being met. Amy King, I know that you're not a licensed psychotherapist. What do you think it means if um, one partner sleeps curled up in a fetal position and the other partner stands over the bed holding a big knife? What does that say about the relationship? True love, baby. What if one partner sleeps right in the middle of the bed and the other partner sleeps in a hotel room with some other person? What does that say about the relationship? Uh, It may be a sign that one of the partners in the relationship may be looking for a little distance. So I guess it's true. The way you sleep does say something about it. All right, Monique Marvez is coming in here right now. This is KFI AM 640. 